piece of which I was asked to write was on number five of the Ross Tapestry, that is Battles in the Kingdom of Ossory. I would have thought straight away that Battles in the Kingdom of Ossory, and I saw the picture many times, is one of the ones that's not finished, but however, uh, is a straightforward open invitation to, you know, hammer and tongs, slap bang, this won't be too hard, lots and lots of pianistic dynamism and crash bang wallop and everyone will go home happy. On the other hand, this is the year that's in, it's 2014, as the centenary of probably the mother of all battles or the mother of all wars, as far as that goes. I began to wonder whether it was possible in 2014 to write a piece which was pretty well hammer and tongs, um, isn't war wonderful? And it's not meant to be moralistic, but the more I looked at the picture, my eye was drawn to a pale white figure at the bottom of it under the hooves of a couple of horses. Horses um, famously try not to step on humans. But this one looks um, very dead. Or if he's not dead now, he's not long from being dead. And I thought, I wondered about him. And the, the blurb says that he was probably a Flemish conscript. Well, God damn it, he was a long way from home fighting in the kingdom of Ossory for people he knew nothing about and whose language he didn't speak. In all likelihood, his battle lasted all of five seconds before he got a thump in the back of the head. And that's it, old son, for you, the war is over. And I felt thinking that perhaps he's not dead and he's drifting in and out of consciousness and trying to wonder, trying to put it together, what happened? And he reconstructs it, if you like. And yes, in the middle of it, there is hammer and tongs and there is lots of lots of battle. But the beginning is uh, very simple. The other thing is that it's a tapestry, and tapestries are woven, of course. And the opening is just two musical ideas, well, two threads, if you like, which weave one and out of each other. And the close is much the same. So it begins very quietly, and then battles, and then it ends very quietly. And in fact, I've dedicated it to all the ones who left in 1914 and never came back. I think if I were going to write Hammer and Tongs, uh, fiery display piece, I could have done that straight away. I could have done it in a day and save myself a lot of time and collect the money and say thank you very much. But you walk around it and what you're looking for is a way in. And I don't know, a big crowd scene, somebody said to me, it's one of the most exciting tapestries and it is because it has horses and Fitzgerald colours and Norman colours and knights in shining armour and all the rest of it. But that's kind of intimidating to portray in five minutes on a piano. When I settled on the idea of the lone figure at the bottom and find a way in just two little ideas, it's it also struck me as it's it's unlike something anything I've written before. I wouldn't say it's minimalist because I don't really do minimalism, but it's a very small, uh, delicate uh, tonal palette and a lot of sevenths and ninths and oddnesses here and there, spiky. felt quite happy that I'd begun with considering this creature and then flowing through very quickly through what he must have gone through. When he left that morning, he doubtless he was like, bloody excited because for you join up and it's what you do. And he was probably a foot soldier, but there were horses in front and then it was waste and listen and then suddenly charge and bang. Imagine being a mercenary and coming all the way to fight and you don't even get to raise your weapon once. 
The other thing, of course, is that history is written not only by, famously by the victors, but also by the people who survive, by the people who live. And certainly in those days, and also in the days a hundred years ago, there were an awful lot of people who didn't survive. And in some cases, maybe there were more of them than the ones who came back. And nobody ever speaks for them. I found in this piece that on the one hand, five minutes is no time at all. On the other hand, after 10 days, you look at what you've written and say, Jesus, it's only 38 seconds. God, I'll never get this finished. I don't have enough ideas here to keep going. But, you know, you'd be surprised. And the piece that kept coming to me all the way through this is a piece which I'm very fond of, and that's Schubert's last piano sonata in B-flat. His, practically his last work, which he wrote in September 1828, six and a half weeks before he died. And the second movement of that is the most wonderful piece of... It's a very simple idea, it's in C-sharp minor, a very simple melodic idea, with just four C-sharps that go up and out, bum, 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 little um, rhythmic motif. And he succeeds in that, if nothing else, practically making time stop. And the very first time I listened to that, and I listened to it again and again, a phrase came to mind. I am very fond of repeating it to anybody who listened to it and think about it. And it says simply that when you have very little time left, you have all the time in the world because everything is suddenly stripped away. <laughs> 